You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and the interview subject featured on this particular instalment of the show is Dan Lampton from the outfit Real Friends. The reason for the conversation is to promote Real Friends' brand new album for 2018, Composure. Let's have a listen to what he has to say. Here we go. Thanks for waiting there, Andrew. You're now in interview with Dan from Real Friends. Please go ahead. Thanks very much. Dan, mate, how are you going? I'm well. How are you? Good, mate. What's uh, what's happening today? Are you on the road somewhere? Or are you still touring? Uh, not touring, but I am on the road. I'm just uh, driving home right now. I was working on some music uh, with my buddy Joe. And, uh, yeah, just, just making my way home from that. Dealing with a little bit of traffic, but uh, that's to be expected. Bloody uh, traffic, yeah. It's, it sucks no I, matter where you are in the world, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, mate. So you got this you got this brand new album out, Composure. Tell us all about that. Um, it is a record that we wrote uh with the help of uh a producer named Mike Green. Uh most of it was created in Los Angeles, California. Uh some of it was created in Chicago, Illinois. Um we personally think it's our best effort to date. Um and we just made sure that we took a lot of extra time to be able to make it possible and correct some errors that we felt that we might have made in the past. Tell me about some of those errors, because I, th- I actually think your, your material is very consistent, but obviously through that statement there, you feel as though you haven't arrived at a point until now that you've, you've released something that you feel is a fair representation of Real Friends. Yeah, um, I just feel like in the past, uh, we were very dead set on the demos that we create being the final versions of the song that not much needed to be changed or amended. Uh, we didn't necessarily always have outside opinions to take into account uh, that were closely uh, involved with the recording process uh, or the writing process in any regard. And I think uh, this time we were definitely more open to outside influence and how it affected the music. And we really let Mike help out with, with a lot of things that we might've been struggling with as far as being stuck with writing certain pieces of music, not knowing uh, how to rearrange certain things, knowing that things had to be changed to some extent, but not necessarily knowing how to go about it just because we can be so closely involved. And a lot of times, you know, you're able to come up with it, but you're so stuck with how it was originally created that there's not really much of a way that you can see to change it. And a lot of things do naturally get overlooked in that. Just as um, you would, uh, you know, writing or transcribing an interview or writing a paper or something, there are always going to be little errors that you go back and try to proofread, but you read it as, you know, being perfectly made, but then other people can point out maybe a tiny little spelling error or punctuation error that you would have uh, missed just glossing over it, you know? It's a really good point, and I can't tell you how many times I've gone back and read things that I've uh, written and they've been published a year ago or what have you, or interviews that I've conducted a year ago, and I've thought I would not do it the same way again. And 
it's not that it's wrong. It's just that either you evolve or you were so close to it at the time, particularly with the writing, it's very hard to be subjective. And I have a pretty strong inner critic, I must say, and from the sounds of things you do as well, because I think you made a very mature statement there about letting other people come in and uh, be able to uh, offer advice. But you've got that. Actually, I'll frame this point. I'll frame this point in a question. How do you put a filter over what you let other people contribute to your material? So you've let the producer there have some say in the way, the direction, the way, the direction of the music. But what process do you put in place to ensure that it's stuff that you are going to feel comfortable with, say, in six months' time to twelve months' time? Um, well, we always have the final say in what gets put on the record and what gets. Um, what makes the final cut. So I feel like that definitely puts us at ease, but I think just the best way to gauge it is looking back at past errors, like I said, and, and trying to not repeat, not, not let history repeat itself. And just to make sure that we acknowledge and be honest with ourselves on what didn't go so well last time, or at least what we felt might not have gone so well and to make sure that we don't let it happen again. And then, you know, this, because it, there's always going to be, I wish I did this differently, no matter how well prepared you may think you are in some aspect, there's always going to be something in this line of work that mm. you will not be satisfied with, you know, down the road. Um, and the only way to minimize it, like I said, is just to, look back on it and pay attention to what you did and remember the process and just to do the best you can to make amends to it. Yeah, no, agreed. Yeah. So the Warp Tour, I think it was the last one, if I'm not mistaken, and you were on it. What was that like? Yep, yep. Uh, it was cool. Um, it was definitely a surreal experience. I'd been going since 2006 personally, hmm. and... Um, it was definitely weird to see it end, um, having been involved with it so long as both a fan and um, a musician on the tour, because um, it always feels like, oh yeah, there will be next year I'll be able to go, or we'll probably play it in a couple of years from now, but I don't think it'll fully sink in until next summer comes around, but Mm. I think that everybody was just trying to make the most of it. Uh, there were a lot of good people on the tour, a lot of good friends that we had there. Um, so it was just, it, it was a lot of good times. And, you know, everybody just wanted to make it count one last time. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, was was it a bit of a, uh, I know that it's a very, it's a party atmosphere, but was there a, a tinge of, I don't know, you wouldn't use the word sadness, but were people sentimental about the fact that it was the last one and were they recognizing it was the last one and was there anything special done because of that? Um, no, sorry, keep going, I cut you off there. No, that's all right, you're right, you go for it. Um, I don't know if anything was really done much differently. Um, I mean, it, it's it, everything went on as it did in past years um i know some people on the tour that you know hate every second of it but they're there for some reason most likely the mm. paycheck um <laughs> there are people that love every second of it people coming there for the first time experiencing it um but i i mean 
in the best way possible. It just seemed like every other summer. And I think that that helps to kind of ease any sort of paranoia or, you know, um, I guess not regret, but just hmm. I know maybe what being bummed out that it's ending. Hmm. Um, so it, I think that kind of helped in, you know, letting it, just, just being able to let go of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying, yeah. And just keeping to the tour theme, you've got a, a run of shows coming up with an Australian band, Eat Your Heart Out, and I've had a conversation with the singer yeah. in the past. So did you guys have a, a relationship with Eat Your Heart Out? Is that, the, is that how that, that partnership came about prior, or is it just something that the agencies put together or management put together? Oh, we just wanted the band on the tour. Um, you know, uh, they're a good band, and, you know, we want to tour with a good band. And uh, they were suggested for the tour, and we were just like, hell yeah, have them on. Yeah, cool. You know, and yeah. I'm stoked to be able to meet meet them and get to play shows with them. So we we, we were also supposed to play with them because uh, we were supposed to tour in Australia back in April. Uh, we ended up having to cancel so I could seek uh, treatment. But um, yeah, we were supposed to tour with them in Simple Plan. Uh, so mm. it, it was already supposed to happen. So we're making up for it. Okay, sweet. All right, I love asking these questions here of musicians that are touring because I'm also a musician and. Uh, it's not that I feel envious or anything like that, that I have missed out on a career as a worker, or as, a, as a touring musician. I just love hearing these stories, okay? So tell me a really unusual story that's happened to you on the road, because if it's okay with you, I do record this for my podcast and also my radio show, and I, I love no, hearing fine. the responses, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm pretty boring, um, so I don't really... Like, Can we continue, and I'll keep this in the back of my mind and see if I think of anything? Yeah, for sure, for sure. What about the Australian audiences and, and fans? Have you had a lot of feedback from us over the years? Yeah, no, Australia's been awesome. Um, I mean, any chance we can get to go over there is uh, usually taken. Uh, we came over your way for Soundwave for the first time in, I want to say, 2013 or 2018. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was 2014, and it was it was fucking incredible. It was a slice of heaven uh, in our eyes. And uh, I feel like it was, like, it didn't matter who you were on the tour from the if you were a headliner, everybody was treated like fucking royalty. Cool. Um, yeah. And and it was just like such an awesome like welcoming to Australia. And I feel like ever since then, I feel like I feel like you guys get screwed over the most with not being able to come to you guys just because it's so far away. Yeah. Pretty expensive to get to you guys, unfortunately. But I feel like. Australian fans are definitely some of the most appreciative when bands are able to make it over there. Hey, I think I've got to wrap hey, things. Andrew? Yeah, you're right. How yeah, much? Yeah, just a few minute reminder. Thanks. Okay, no worries, mate. Have we got? Have you got that uh, that story? That road that road dog story that I asked you uh, the question about earlier? Have you got uh, that one already? <laughs> if you haven't, no worries. I, uh, you know what? I unfortunately don't. I am 
such a boring piece of <laughs> shit that like not I mean like it is exciting and fun to be able to do what we do, but as far as like oddball out there shit that's happened, like I got nothing. That's a good thing, I think. It means that you're on the straight and narrow and you're treating your career with absolute respect and you're looking after yourself on tour, mate, so good on you. Yeah, or that I used to smoke way too much weed and can't remember any of it, so. <laughs> oh, that's another possibility, yeah. Well, mate, I better wrap yeah. things up. Congratulations on your career, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed, mate, that you've been able to do what you've been able to do. And long may you continue to do what you're doing. You've got a cracking new album out here, Composure, and uh, I'll certainly do my best. I've got kids these days, mate, so it's very hard for me to get out on virtually any night of the, of the week, even on a weekend. Yeah. But if you come to Australia, mate, I will uh, certainly try and be in the audience. I appreciate that. It's very humbling. Thank you. No worries, mate. Thanks very much. Have a good one. No worries. Gotcha. Thanks for tuning in to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was a conversation with Dan Lampton from the band Real Friends.